Hi, I'm Leslie Ludi, host of the Set Apart Podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. Today, I'm excited to be starting a three-part series on cultivating incorruptible beauty. As Christian women in this culture, in this day and age, how do we allow the beauty of Christ, the beauty of heaven to come shining through our lives? Before we dive in, I wanted to remind you that if you'd like to join us for one of our 2022 discipleship programs, go to ellersley.com or click the link in this podcast description to learn about how you can be a part of our week-long or five-week program. It's a great opportunity to come away from the distractions of everyday life and sit at Jesus' feet. There are only a few spots left in our programs for this year, or we've already opened up registration for our 2023 programs. So either way, we would love to see you in Colorado either this year or next year and invest into your spiritual life. Let's dive into cultivating incorruptible beauty. In 1 Peter 3, 4, it says that we are to exude the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Now, this is a verse that a lot of Christian women misunderstand, and I misunderstood this verse for a number of years as well. For those of you who have been following this podcast for a while, some of this material may be familiar to you because we've talked about overcoming insecurity and true beauty on previous episodes. And yet I know for me, I need to constantly be reminded of these truths. And I'd like to break down the concept of incorruptible beauty in a very practical way for you that we haven't done before in these next few episodes. So first, we need to understand the difference between inner beauty and incorruptible beauty as described in this verse. Inner beauty is a very popular phrase that we've heard for the the last couple of decades in this culture, and it basically means learning how to be confident in who we are, having a positive sense of self, and appreciating our own uniqueness and personal qualities. Now, that's not all bad. We do have value and we do have uniqueness that God has built within us. And he does place a very high value on us as individuals. We are loved by him far more than we can ever comprehend. But according to scripture, we are not actually called to cultivate inner beauty. We are not called to look within ourselves and discover the beauty within us. We are not called to showcase our own beauty or goodness to this world. There is an entirely different kind of beauty we are called to exude, and it's the beauty of heaven. Charles Spurgeon said it this way, If a soul has any beauty, it is because Christ has endowed that soul with his own, for in ourselves we are deformed and defiled. There is no beauty in any of us but what our Lord has worked in us. And that enunciates incorruptible beauty very well. Incorruptible beauty in this verse in 1 Peter actually means uncorrupted or pure and immortal of heaven and not of earth. It means reflecting the purity and the nature of heaven of Jesus Christ through our character and our conduct and our actions. Now to reflect incorruptible, immortal, heavenly beauty through our lives is not possible in our own strength. It can't happen when we just try to look within ourselves to find beauty. We have to be fully yielded and surrender to Jesus Christ to get self out of the way so that his radiance and his life can come shining through us. We hear a lot about self-esteem in our culture today, and that is basically because so many of us as women are wallowing in insecurity. Our culture sets us up for insecurity, as we've talked about in other episodes. And I know for me, I struggled with insecurity for years, whether it was being made fun of as a child in elementary school or just seeing the 
unrealistic, impossible standards for beauty that are all around us today, I was always dealing with insecurity. But self-esteem is not actually the solution to overcoming insecurity, as we've talked about in other episodes, because Christianity is not meant to be about esteeming self. It's meant to be about denying self and esteeming Christ. Jesus says in Matthew 10, 39, he who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, what does it mean to find your life in this verse? It actually means to find self by thought, examination, observation, and experience, to see, to learn, to discover, and to understand. So this sounds very much like the definition of self-discovery and being true to ourselves that is so popular in the world today. But losing our lives for Christ's sake actually means in this verse to destroy self, to put out of the way entirely, to abolish and to render useless. That is not a message you are going to hear promoted in our culture today, all about putting yourself out of the way and rendering self useless. Our culture sets us up to highly esteem and value and promote self, self, self. But Jesus says in Luke 9, 23, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. And deny here means to forget oneself, to lose sight of one's own interests. It's that act of total surrender to him. Lord, I'm laying down my own agenda, my own rights, everything I'm clinging to of myself. I lay that at your feet so that you can shape me into your likeness so that everything you are can come and live and shine through my life. Denying self is not this dour, miserable path where God just frowns at us and wants us to be as miserable as possible. It's this amazing opportunity to follow in the footsteps of Christ, to experience the fullness of joy when we get out of the way so that he can be seen through our lives. This is what John the Baptist said in John 3, 29 and 30. I am only the friend of the bridegroom, the bridegroom being Jesus. I am not the bridegroom himself. When the bridegroom is seen, my joy is complete. When Jesus is seen through my life, my joy is complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. And that is incorruptible beauty in a nutshell. Now, the opposite of incorruptible beauty is showcasing self, drawing attention to self. In Proverbs 9.13, it says a foolish woman is clamorous. And clamorous actually means in this verse to make noise, to draw attention to oneself, and to cause a stir. What a great description of our culture's version of femininity, especially on social media. Does this mean that in order to have a quiet spirit, to shine with incorruptible beauty, that we have to be quiet and mousy and timid and stay out of everybody's way and never say anything? Can we have an outgoing personality? Can we be a talkative person and still have that quiet, gentle spirit and still showcase that incorruptible beauty that is talked about in First Peter? I used to struggle with that question because I'm not a naturally quiet person, and I thought maybe the best way to have incorruptible beauty and to have a gentle and quiet spirit was to just be as quiet as possible. But actually, that's not what this verse is talking about. To exude the incorruptible beauty of a quiet spirit means to no longer draw attention to ourselves, but to keep self quiet 
so that Jesus can be seen and heard through our lives. It's not based on personality. It's based on that decision of will to say, Lord, I want self to be out of the way. I lay all things of self on the altar before you. I want to decrease so that you would increase through my life. Isn't that so freeing to realize that having a gentle and quiet spirit isn't a personality thing or some legalistic rule where we need to stay in a corner and be silent? It's that choice to say, Lord, quiet the voice of self in my life. I want people to see you through me. Elizabeth Elliot said, the world looks for happiness through self-assertion. The Christian knows that joy is found in self-abandonment. If a man will let himself be lost for my sake, Jesus said, he will find his true self. And then Ian Thomas said, unless you are prepared to let go of what you are, you'll never become what God intended you to be. Incorruptible beauty is that attitude in a nutshell, letting go of what we are and who we are so we can become what God intended us to be, reflections of Jesus Christ. Incorruptible beauty is not based or dependent upon physical things. I've often told the story of those two young women in a persecuted country who were kicked out of their homes because of their faith in Jesus. And they traveled from village to village with nothing but the clothes they were wearing. They didn't have money. They didn't have possessions. They just told about Jesus everywhere they went. And even though they probably didn't even own a hairbrush, they probably couldn't make themselves look very physically impressive to this world. People would come up to them on the street and say, why are you so shiny? Why are your faces so radiant and beautiful? Whatever it is, I want that. And that is incorruptible beauty. The beauty of heaven was shining through them. It's a beauty that impacts this world in a powerful way. I'd like to talk about practical ways to cultivate this kind of incorruptible beauty in our lives, to silence the voice of self and let Christ's beauty come shining through us. And we're going to be covering quite a number of practicals over the next three episodes. The first practical I want to offer is that a woman with incorruptible beauty is a woman who agrees with God. It's very easy to allow our emotions or the voice of the enemy or the voice of the culture or the voice of our own past experience to overshadow God's truth. We need to make a purposeful decision to go to the word of God and say, Lord, I choose to agree with what you say. And two areas that I feel we as women need to learn how to agree with God is number one, understanding that we are valuable to him and loved by him. That is an area that many of us have a hard time accepting because the enemy whispers the opposite message in our ear. The other area we really need to learn how to agree with God on is our calling and our design as women, because there has been such a warping and a twisting of femininity in our culture and even in the church. A lot of times we sort of push that calling away and we choose not to agree with God that we were designed as women for such a time as this. Let's just unpack these two areas in which we need to learn how to agree with God. The first is understanding our value to him. Before we can really understand that message of self-denial that we've been talking about, it's important to understand that we are precious to God. He loves us and values us so deeply that he gave his only son to redeem us. We should value our lives, not because we have something special within ourselves, but because we are made in the image of God. We are his creation. His love for us is truly unfathomable. And as Christian women in Christ, we have become daughters of the King. We have been redeemed and made into royalty through the work of the cross. And that is an area we need to learn how to agree with God instead of listening to the voice of the enemy that constantly makes us feel that we are worthless and hopeless and of no value whatsoever. 
And then we don't step into the fullness of shining with God's incorruptible beauty because that overwhelming insecurity is just another way that the enemy tries to get us to focus on self, self, self. Let's go to the word of God and agree with what he says. In 1 John 3, 1, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Jeremiah 31, 3, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Song of Solomon 2, 4, he brought me to the banqueting house and his banner over me was love. Psalm 45, listen, O daughter, consider and incline your ear, forget your own people and your father's house. So the king will greatly desire your beauty because he is your Lord. Worship him. And then in Psalm 139, 16, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they were all written the days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. God's love for us and his purpose and design for us started even before we were born. There is no question about the value God places on our lives, even though we are undeserving. So the first step in overcoming insecurity and shining with incorruptible beauty is not trying to build up our own inner beauty or self-worth, but agreeing with God that our life has value because he created us in his image. He rescued us and we now belong to him. And it's because he loves us that he invites us to follow in his steps of self-denial. This is the path that Jesus followed, and it led to tremendous joy. Because of the joy set before him, it says, he endured the cross. This doesn't mean the cross was easy. It was the most tremendous suffering that has ever been or ever will be. But because of the joy set before him, he endured. And that is the path he calls us to as well. And the next key area to agree with God is that he designed us and called us as women on purpose. There's so much confusion in our world today with those who feel that the way they were designed was a mistake and they need to somehow correct that mistake. But our God doesn't make mistakes. And even those of us who may not struggle with gender confusion specifically, oftentimes struggle to embrace our design and our calling as women simply because there are so many warped and twisted ideas about what womanhood is supposed to be. So it's something we kind of shy away from. But we need to recognize that our God is wisdom itself. There is nothing in his creation that is haphazard or random, including you. He has a beautiful, purposeful design for your life. He created you as a woman at this time in history with your own unique qualities, on purpose. So we need to let God be God and acknowledge that he is the creator and we are the creation and his work is very good. We cannot showcase the incorruptible beauty of heaven unless we are willing to fully embrace our calling and design as women. I love what Elizabeth Elliot said about this. All creatures, with the exception of two that we know of, have willingly taken the places appointed to them. The Bible speaks of angels who rebelled and were therefore cast down out of heaven and of the fall of man. Adam and Eve were not satisfied with the place assigned. They refused the single limitation set them in the Garden of Eden and thus brought sin and death into the world. What sort of world might it have been if Eve had refused the serpent's offer and had said to him instead, let me not be like God. Let me be what I was made to be. Let me be a woman. It is such a powerful statement, and yet a lot of us struggle with that because there is confusion, even in the church today, about what womanhood really is. 
a number of years ago, there were two very popular Christian books on womanhood. And the interesting thing was that these books basically had polar opposite perspectives on what womanhood was supposed to be. One was very demeaning to women and made men superior and domineering over women. The other almost elevated women to a position higher than men or of greater value than men. It's no wonder we are confused because neither one of those perspectives reflects God's design. One of the best perspectives on godly womanhood that we can find in scripture is in Proverbs 31. I used to read Proverbs 31 and be confused about its meaning. I used to think that verse that said, who can find a virtuous woman meant a timid, quiet, mousy woman who just sits in a corner and stays out of everybody's way. Sort of like my first understanding of that gentle and quiet spirit verse in First Peter. And yet a deeper look at the picture of womanhood in Proverbs 31 shows us something totally different and very profound. It's a picture of true feminine strength. That word virtuous actually means valiant, mighty, and strong. We've talked about this in other episodes, but it's the same word that is used to describe David's valor when he conquered Goliath and when he conquered the enemies of Israel. The one thing that is so important to note about this is that this is not a natural human strength because we can easily take a verse like that and think, oh, God wants me to be a feminist and showcase how strong I am. It's not the strength that says, I am woman, hear me roar. Any more than David's strength was natural or human or he could have conquered Goliath in his own strength. On his own, he would not have had the ability to showcase that kind of valor. It was a supernatural strength of God. God flowing through his life. And that is the kind of strength that needs to flow through our lives as well. And it only happens when we get out of the way, going back to that idea of removing self out of the way so that his life, his strength, his loveliness and beauty and nature can just come shining through our lives. It is only possible to become that Proverbs 31 woman of true valiance and valor when we decrease so that his glorious strength can come shining through our lives. Proverbs 31 womanhood is not based on human ability that showcases the glory of a woman. And that's where so much confusion has come into the church where we have this checklist. Well, unless I'm doing this, 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 and this, I'm not really a godly woman. And we make it all about what we can accomplish in our own human human ability. But Proverbs 31 womanhood is based on the supernatural strength that showcases the glory of God. And again, it only happens when we die to self and let him live through us. So embracing God's pattern for womanhood does not lead to misery and weakness. It also doesn't lead to a self-glory or a feministic mindset. It leads to joy and fulfillment and strength, but it's his strength and not our own. When we clear away the fog of human ideas about what womanhood is supposed to be and begin to agree with God's vision and design for femininity, we will gladly embrace the sacred calling he has put upon our lives because his ways are perfect. So I encourage you to begin agreeing with God in this area that he created you and designed you as a woman for a very purposeful reason. Set aside others' ideas of what womanhood is supposed to be and embrace his vision for your femininity. His plans for you are good. Jesus did not come to bring oppression, but freedom and life. And it is always safe to trust the one who sacrificed everything for us. It's truly a privilege to reflect the incorruptible beauty 
of heaven. But it requires that willingness to totally trust him and totally surrender to him, to say no to the selfish part of our being that so often tries to rise up and hinder his life from flowing through us. It means deliberately choosing to decrease so that he might increase through us. If you don't know where to begin when it comes to cultivating incorruptible beauty, I would encourage you to start by simply agreeing with God. He is ready to transform you into a reflection of himself when you yield yourself fully to him. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode and the upcoming episodes will unpack even more practical ways to cultivate heavenly incorruptible beauty through our lives. Meanwhile, if you'd like to go deeper into what it means to live a set-apart Christ-centered life, visit us at setapartgirl.com and see the many resources that we have for you there. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.